Welcome to the Gotham Sports Report Podcast on 89.1 FM WNYU. Here are your hosts, Jack Dweck, Joe Kurtz, and Morris Zarif. Hello and welcome to Gotham Sports Report. I'm Jack Dweck, along with Joe Kurtz here today. Mars Zadif, unfortunately, is not with us. Um, he's actually at the Yankee game. So let's start with that because let's let's give some some love to Mars Zadif at the Yankee game. And let's talk about how terrible the Yankees have been. Um, they're starting off to one of their worst starts uh, over the past 10 years. They've been... Their record's five and eight now. They've started at right now. They have the worst record in the American League. This is not what we expected from the Yankees, and this isn't what we expected in really an AL East that we thought they would coast through. Not at all. And coming into the year, we all expected that there would be some question marks with the pitching. And that right now is a big problem with Garrett Cole, but none of us expected their offense to come out the way it has where they're all struggling. Every single player on the team is struggling to get hits. They're struggling with runners in scoring position. They lead the league in double plays. They just seemingly find the most amazing ways to get out. They'll ground into a double play. They'll line into a double play. They make base running mistakes every single game where they're effectively just costing themselves games and wins. They're winnable games that the Yankees are competing in. Even games where their starting pitcher is keeping them in the game. They're just making mistakes on the bases. They're not getting that one clutch hit that will propel them to victory. And it's just something that you haven't seen from this Yankee team over the last couple of years. And I think the Yankee fans are going to be shocked. They're shocked at how bad the team has started. They're shocked that they can't hit with runners on base, that they can't have that clutch hit. I'm sorry. This is the team as constructed. This is the team that, that, that was a bust in the playoffs last year. It wasn't the pitching. It, their starters were fine in the playoffs last year. The bullpen was fine in, in, in the playoffs last year. It was that this lineup, as constructed, is a home run hitting lineup. And for a home run hitting lineup, to build your team off of home runs, you're going to get a very streaky team. And you're going to get a lineup where the guys have a chance to hit runners in, where the guys have a chance to win a game with just a hit and not a home run, and they can't do it. So when you build your team around that, when you build your team around the guys that don't hit for average, guys that strike out a ton, they strike out a ton. You build your team around that and that that you need those home runs, you're setting yourself up to fail. And we're seeing that so far with the Yankees because they haven't gotten hot. Once they get hot, sure, they'll be better. And, and they're better than a 5-18. and 18. They're one of the best teams in the league. But to rely on this these home runs show that in a three-game series, in a five-game series, in a seven-game series – this is what we can see from the Yankees. This could be there where the bats suddenly turn off. The home runs aren't there. They can't get that single that they needed. But even so, it's coming from guys like DJ LeMayu who will hit you 20 home runs a year, but mostly he's an average guy. He'll hit the single, he'll hit the double. He's an extremely clutch player, but he's coming off this year. He's starting off hitting into a double play every single time he's up the bases loaded. He's not getting that one single that he needs to drive in the runners. And that's very concerning because as Yankee fans, we expect that from Giancarlo Stanton. We expect that from Jay Bruce when they brought him in. We expect that from Ruchnet Odor. We expect it from Gary. But you don't expect that from Dijon LeMay. And that's the alarm. But listen, but listen I, I agree with you there. But when you look at 
the Yankees lineup versus the Mets lineup. And the Mets lineup's a, a lineup that relies on home runs too, but not as much. Jeff McNeil is their average guy, right? He's their DJ LeMay who's supposed to hit um, for average. He's been struggling. But guess what? While he's and struggling, Nimmo. there's other guys like Nimmo exactly. and who've stepped up. There's no you just listed six guys who aren't like DJ LeMay on the Yankees. There's no balance in the lineup. No, and the Yankees have this guy, Aaron Hicks, who I went off on last week as being their OBP guy, the guy who walks. This guy is terrible. Last week I said he belongs on the bench with Tyler Wade. This week I'm saying he belongs in the minor leagues and not the Yankees minor leagues. He deserves to be in like the Mexican league. He's not good. I, I went off last week saying how the Yankee fans are like, are the Yankees are just like picturing him as a supreme defender because of his 105-mile-per-hour throw to home plate in 2015 and the one diving catch he made in Minnesota last year. He is not good. Today, while we're recording, he made two straight errors on ground balls right to him. He bobbled the ball twice. He is not a good player. He cannot hit. He's a better golfer. In the offseason, he, he hosts his golf tournaments. He should, he should have became a golfer because he cannot play baseball. I don't understand how he continues to bat number three because he'll continue to come up. When Diesel Mayo and Aaron Judge get on base, he's up next, and he's always getting out because this guy cannot play baseball, and the Yankees don't see that. He's not a good player. I don't know how the Yankees could continue to even try to compete with this guy in the number three hole. He belongs in the Mexican League. He belongs in the Dominican League. He'll be a star there because he's a fringe baseball major league player. Maybe he could bat number nine for this team. Maybe. But they still put him at number three. Listen Listen to this stat, okay? Because you're talking about Aaron Hicks and his struggles in the Yankees outfield. Listen to this stat, okay? Clint Frazier has gone 64 straight at-bats without an RBI. That's second in the league, the second longest streak in the league, okay? So the Yankees are, are just historically right now for them bad at getting guys in. So I don't think that this is gonna last. Listen, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna support now. But what I'm saying is, is that we know this won't last. We know that the Yankees are finishing in a playoff spot. That's not the goal. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is problems that will stay on this team as long as they keep this lineup construction the same. I'm not gonna support Clintier because he's starting off so slow. But you have to cut him a little bit of slack because the guy plays every third day. The Yankees don't give him a bit of consistency. It's like. If you don't get a home run every game, they're going to bench him for Brett Gardner in the next because they want to have these lefties in the lineup, which makes no sense because you're the team that came out and said, we don't need lefties because our righties hit everyone, but clearly not. And clearly they're putting Clint up to that task, holding him above a pedestal. And when he's not getting that hit because he's not seeing consistency, he's not giving that consistent playing time, they're just benching him every day. And that's a problem because you need to develop him because – when and he's I was, at his best, he's one of the best players on the team. He's much better than Aaron Hicks. He's much better than Brett Gardner. And he's he's not better than Aaron Judge, but he's Aaron Judge-like. He has some of the same level of talent. He could hit a home run. He is one of the fastest bats in the league. And last year, he was a top three play, finisher for Gold Glove. He's an exceptional player. He has to be playing every day. So I'm going to say right now that I was completely wrong. When, when they signed Gardner, Yankee fans were upset. They said, why are you re-signing Gardner? All this is going to do is block Frazier's development. What we saw over the past couple of years was each time Frazier struggled, he put together two bad games, they take him out of the lineup and put in Brett Gardner. And I thought that when they re-signed Gardner, they waited so long to re-sign Gardner that they finally said, we're going to give Clint Frazier a shot. We're going to give him an opportunity to struggle in the lineup, maybe have a chance to succeed in the lineup finally. Because you have to have those struggles to be able to succeed. And guess what? The season started. They re-signed Gardner. 
and it's the same old story. Once he has a bad game, he's out of the lineup. He's out of the lineup every other game, basically, right now, where where we have to see Brett Gardner play. We know what Brett Gardner could do. We don't know what Clint Frazier could do yet because you don't play him every day. And how is he supposed to develop? He's a young player. You develop through your failures, and he's going to fail, but they're not letting him succeed past his failures. They're not letting him learn from it. They're just putting him on the bench after every single game, and it's extremely frustrating because if you're really going to play the righty-lefty matchup, then Brett Garner is going to be starting 90% of the days, and that makes no sense. If you really want Brett Garner in the lineup, put him in center field and bench Aaron Hicks. He's a terrible player. He's terrible. Clint Frazier needs to be playing every day. Otherwise, he will not develop. Well, there's definitely a lot of questions that the Yankees have with their lineup. Uh, But let's go to the Mets. The Mets have really, what they've been faced over the past couple of weeks has just been incomprehensible. They've had about seven games over a 16-day stretch where it's more days not playing than playing. It's, it's tough for their starters, tough for their hitters who have been struggling where Michael Conforto went 0 for 16 and had that stretch over two weeks instead of three, four games. It's been a struggle for the Mets, but... They had that three-game uh, uh, series instead of four against the Phillies where they won three, um, and they had a rain out. They won the first game yesterday of of their set with uh, – of their doubleheader with the Rockies. So the Mets have looked good lately. Um, I think the only problem with the Mets, and we've seen it with the Yankees as well, is that they, they struggle to hit with runners in scoring position. Pete Alonso, every time it seems that when he has runners in scoring position, he's striking out. Michael Conforto until his hit yesterday, where, where every time he has, it, it seems he's always the one that's up with runners in scoring position always. and he strikes out. So it's definitely just a struggle for both of these teams right now, slog for both of these teams right now. But the Mets definitely have some signs where if they could actually put together a couple of games, where if they could play a couple of games in a row, they could be building towards something. Yeah, and the, the reason why they're struggling is because they're not getting consistency either. It's kind of like Clint Frazier. The Mets are playing every third day. Every other day is getting rained out. I think how many games do they have postponed so far? Seven? Right. Seven games. That's ridiculous already. That's that's You can't start a season like that and expect guys to build up their, their get up to speed with their level of playing after getting postponed almost every other day, especially with Michael Conforto, someone who's as streaky as him. You have to have these consistent playing days, and he's not getting that not to any fault of his own because of the rain and whatever happens in the COVID situation, but that's what's happening. But the one good thing about the Mets that like you're going to keep saying is I think Jacob DeGrom is even better this year. I mean, yesterday the guy struck out nine straight guys. He had his second straight 14 K game as a Met fan. You were already happy, but this is, this is, this is insane. Like I thought he was a really good player. I didn't know he had it in him to strike out nine straight guys and go back to back 14 K games. It's, it's just something exciting to watch. Well, he did strike out eight guys before against the Marlins, but this is crazy. This this is on another level. Yeah, it was a seven inning game, and the Mets, the Mets struck out seventeen out of twenty one outs that they got against the Rockies. The Rockies struck out seventeen out of twenty one times. De- Jacob Degrom had had fourteen Ks, and Edwin Diaz had three Ks to strike out the side and get the save in the seventh. So, what we're seeing here. I agree that it makes Jacob DeGrom look great. And Jacob DeGrom, other than the fact that these strikeouts are, are just raising his pitch count so high that he can't get farther in games because of all these strikeouts, right? Because he's running these counts, 
um, to 14 hitters instead of throwing strikes um, that could get contact, sort of like Marcus Stroman does. Um, other than that, which is not even a real criticism, it's just a fact about the Mets that they like to take out pitchers early. Um, other than that, this was kind of as good as it gets for Jacob DeGrom. My only concern here is just a broader problem in baseball. And see, see if, you, if you agree with me here. What we're seeing over the past couple of years, if I'm a Rockies fan, do I want to watch a game no. where my team is striking out 17 times out of, uh, out of 21 outs? Do I no. really want to watch a game where 75% of the outs are strikeouts? Do I want to watch a game where no one hits the ball in play? where it's just missing, trying to get a home run. And if not, okay, we'll just strike out and go to the next batter. Is that is that where baseball is headed? And if no. that's where baseball is headed, is that the right place that it should go? Definitely not. It's not exciting at all. Do I really want to watch a team where my owner trades away our best player in probably ever for a bag of balls, and now we're starting Garrett Hampson and Ryan McMahon and trying to advertise them? We know Trevor Story is leaving. No, we don't want to watch a team. That's the type of team we don't want to watch. And – this is also a problem in baseball. It's why people like Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole, and Shane Bieber are so dominant because they could just strike out everyone and it's not entertaining. I'm a big Garrett Cole fan. I love the art of pitching, but I'd be lying to myself if I said I'd rather watch an offensive game. I'd be lying to myself. People rather watch offense. I mean, if I'd rather watch a pitching game, people rather watch offense and I enjoy the pitching, but if you're trying to grow a game, you want to have offense. You don't want to have the guy striking out 14 times. It's you not just offense, right? Because it, it could be a, a five game and just two home runs. The stolen base. Right. Stolen bases, bunts, parts of the game that are lost. And we're pretty young. We're 18, 19 years old. We're not watching the game when, in, in 1942. We're not talking about that. We're talking about go back five years, go back six years, where guys were, were striking out 15% of the time, not 25% of the time. If you take someone's average, the league average is about 250, right? Hitting average. People strike out 250. They're striking out 25% of the time. They get as many strikeouts as hits. That's ridiculous to have a sport where your players cannot make contact with the ball. The ball is being put in play. Shortstops can't make defensive plays. Third basemen can't make exciting defensive plays because the ball is not being hit to them anymore. It reduces the, the watchability of the game. It reduces the, the interest in the game, and it increases the time of game. They're always talking about the time of game, how long the game takes. Never mind that commercials are always made longer to get more money, but they're always talking about the time of the game. So don't have these batters go seven pitches into at-bats. Have them swing on the first pitch like Jeff McNeil hits for a high average. Yeah. Let's take an example of last night's game. Did you watch the Dodgers-Padgers game? Did you catch the end of it? Yes. Okay, so this series, if you've been watching it from the start, it's looked like a playoff series. It's everything as advertised. How'd the game end? Did it end on a strikeout? Did it end with a one, two, three inning by the Dodgers? No. The Padres ended on a beautiful catch, on a beautiful play. On on a play, on a ball put in play, top pitcher versus versus a good hitter. You put the ball in play, and your star center fielder makes a diving catch. That's what's exciting about baseball. It's not the fact that he's gonna hit the he's gonna hit a single, and win the game. It's not the strikeout to the cr- close it out. It's the fact that you're putting the ball in play. You're giving the fans that moment to guess, like, oh my god, the Padres might actually make this comeback. And then no, it's robbed by their best player at the the second away from losing the, from tying the game and bringing it to extras for the second straight day on the last hitting hit. It's you putting the ball in play. You're making your Players make an exceptional play, make a 
have great defense, have the chance of winning. That's what's exciting. We're not looking to watch every single player strike out. We're not looking to watch 100 different relievers come in the game just to strike out the guy. It's not exciting. And I understand why people say baseball isn't exciting because it's not. Take the probably the biggest play in Mets history. The biggest play in Mets history. The Bill Buckner ball going through the legs. Okay. Now imagine Mookie Wilson was trying to hit a home run and he strikes out. Okay, game over, Mets lose. That's it. It's 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 over. It's done. He didn't hit that home run. Now take he hits for contact, a little dribbler down the first baseline, and it goes through his legs because that's baseball. If you put the ball in play, something could happen. Okay, we weren't faced with a Carlos Beltran just watching a strike, which is probably the most disappointing moment in Mets history, where he didn't he didn't put a, a swing on it. He didn't try to hit the ball, and swung out. Uh, uh, and and struck out against the Cardinals in 06. That's the most disappointing moment in Mets history because when you put the ball in play, things happen. And baseball now, the analytics show that just trying to hit a home run, not putting the ball in play is more effective. And maybe so. Maybe that will make you more likely to win a World Series. Maybe that's more likely to get you to score runs. But it's not what makes the fans watch the game. It's not what makes the game fun. It's not what makes the game exciting or enjoyable. It's not the right thing. And so the the, the Major League Baseball uh, has hired Theo Epstein, um, was the architect of, of tanking for the Cubs, um, which is another story about how um, he's ruined baseball, but he, they've hired Theo Epstein, uh, to try to solve these problems. I don't know if they will. I, I don't know if there's a way to, to take this cat out of the bag and put it back in, uh, with analytics and with trying to steal instead of, instead of, uh, because it's not 80% or it's not 75%. These are ridiculous stats that people follow religiously in sports and that these stats need to be followed. It's, it's just crazy what sports has come to these days. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't think it's solvable. I think what you have to do is to make baseball exciting is let the players advertise themselves because they're not even allowed to. Like you want, you have Bryce Harper out here having this whole campaign to make baseball fun again. You have Acuna making it exciting. You have them wearing their custom cleats and having all these different Jersey combinations you want baseball to be exciting, then let the players make it exciting. Let the players play the way they want to play. Don't follow this analytics blindly and tell Ronald Acuna Jr. he has to stay on first base every single time because he has Freddie Freeman on deck. So if you steal Freddie Freeman, he might get thrown out and Freddie Freeman can't hit the home run. You're going to lose. It's I not worth it. I get political right now. I don't want to get political because, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to pick a side. I don't want to be like that. But for baseball to move their game out of Atlanta, purely business from, from business perspective, where they – their strongest group of support was among Republicans and they had a 47% net approval rating among Republicans. That was the crux of their business. That was the crux of their viewership in the past two weeks that has dropped to 12. They were, they were ahead of every other sport and Republicans do make up 80 billion people. This is purely business that they've lost. They've lost the support of millions of people to do that combined with more people watching the NBA and NFL then Major League Baseball, to do that, he's just Rob Manfred's not making the right decisions for this league. And let me add something on top of that. I don't know exactly the laws behind this, but there's something with the fact that only MLB is allowed to share videos of the game, right? I don't know exactly how it works. Antitrust exemptions for for Major League Baseball. Exactly. So only they're allowed. So you don't have these accounts on social media that are sharing games. Like, 
something that makes basketball so followable is that the players post videos that that you have house of highlights posting videos with MLB. It's literally just the MLB account and the team accounts. No other team is allowed to share content. And right, that's like you perfect. have Lonzo Ball edits exactly. on TikTok or things like that. With, with One of the greatest videos ever posted with the turnaround, Lonzo, the Lamella Ball highlight. That's a great video. You can't have that with baseball because the players are not allowed. And let's add on top of it. Okay, how do fans follow baseball? Like us, like people like us. We love baseball cards. Only Tops is allowed to have baseball cards with the, with the logos on the team. You look at the other brands, they're allowed to have the players, but they're not allowed to have their team. So they'll say like Alex Verdugo, Boston. They're not allowed to say the Red Sox because they're not allowed to share that team. And that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that baseball can't market itself. And it's impossible to grow if you're not going to be able to post these type of videos on social media and market the game that the way that basketball and NFL does. Let's build more on top of that blackout rules. If I if I want to move to streaming, if I want to watch a Yankee game on yes, but I cut the cord. I don't have direct TV anymore. I cut the cord. I cannot stream a game legally unless I pay for yes. But how am I supposed to pay for yes if I don't have direct TV anymore? Yeah. So to get the Yes app, I have to sign in with a cable provider. If I don't have a cable provider, what do they say? Get MLB, uh, MLB TV. Get MLB app back. Okay, I get MLB app back. Guess what? The game's the game is blacked out on on streaming. Why is it blacked out on streaming? Because they want you to get the game on Yes, but I can't get the game on Yes. Plus you have the because cable. I don't have Direct TV or I don't have Optimum. It makes so no sense. There's no way to to adapt to streaming environment where people are cutting the cords every day. There's tons of people. Every other company is doing it. NBC is doing it. Fox is doing it. Netflix has done it. Hulu. They're all getting ready for people leaving. They're all getting ready for people leaving. The only sport that is behind, right? Because football has made their deal with Amazon for for Thursday Night Football. Yeah. The only league that's behind here, the only league that has no streaming service, that has no way that a local team, because baseball is local, that I could watch my local team, the only sport that doesn't have it is baseball. And I'm just going to add on top of that. MLB TV is ridiculously expensive also, even if you didn't have the blackout charges. And it just makes no sense because if I'm from New York, I want, or let's say Los Angeles, they have how many teams? Four, I mean, from California, four teams. Imagine being in California and you're not even able to watch any team, even if they're like 100 miles away from you just because of blackout. It makes no sense. And I'm just going to throw on another bone to pick here. Load management is ridiculous in baseball. After five games, your guy isn't sore enough to not be able to play for the whole week. It's ridiculous that that's the trend we're moving to because it makes the game so unwatchable. If I'm watching, a, even in April, if it's the Yankees playing the Red Sox, I want to see all our guys play. I don't want to be told that our guy can't play the field this day, even if he hit three home runs yesterday because he's, there's no such thing as hot in baseball anymore. There is such thing. There isn't a need for load management, especially early in the season. It makes no sense, and it's a way for fans to just fall out of love with the game. Now show me where load management works. I'm sorry. They load manage Aaron Judge. The Yankees load manage Aaron Judge to no end. They let him give get days off. They, they give him time. They don't make him play the field sometimes. They let him D8. Where's that helped him? Where's that helped him over the past couple of years not get injured? The guy runs the first day of the, the first day of the year, gets injured. I'm sorry. The only way that you stop people from getting injured playing is by letting them play. If they could play, they won't get injured as much. It's simple logic. I'm not a doctor. It's simple logic. And even if Aaron Judge has to sit three out of four days in the week, three out of seven days in the week, then he's not going to be as warm. He's not going to be as good when he plays the other games, and he's going to be more likely to get hurt. And even if Aaron Judge is an extreme example to everyone, let's look at the example of every single pitcher in baseball. 
Nowadays, they have pitch inning limits. They have pitch counts that they follow religiously. But every single player gets Tommy John nowadays. Every single pitcher goes on the IL at least once a year. Like, you're, you're amazing if you avoid it, but it's impossible nowadays. How in the past did pitchers go 300 innings, throw 27 complete games in a year, and didn't get hurt? I, I don't understand it. Am I missing something on that count also? Also, think about this. Think about this. Not on the Tommy John point, but on the pitchers having limits point. The best pitcher in baseball, Jacob DeGrom, okay, pitches an average of six innings a game. Six innings a game. So at your best point in a baseball game, which is about the ninth inning, eighth inning, the end of games, right, crunch time, where there's a chance to sway this game, right, because Jacob DeGrom keeps the team in the game always. It's it's between zero and three runs that he gives up max a game. So the Mets are always going to be in a game that he pitches, right? But he's never in that game. You you have the best pitcher in baseball, and he's never there in crunch time. He's out of there in the sixth inning. So who loses that game in the end because the Mets have lost 45 and 136 of his starts where there was a no decision? Who's winning that game and who's losing that game? Some random yo-yo from the bullpen or some pitch hitter. Some pinch hitter. It's not Jacob DeGrom. It's not that best player. And you look at basketball, and, and guess what? LeBron James's team – 10 seconds left. Someone needs the ball. Who's going to have the ball in their hands? LeBron James. Look at baseball. Where you have the Mets. Down to two strikes. Or or, or, or bases loaded. And, and they're about to give up the, uh, uh, a walk-off. Who's on the mound? It's Edwin Diaz. Or it's Lugo. It's not It's not Jacob DeGrasse. It's not the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. It just It's so frustrating to watch. And like last Friday night, you had the case of Johnny Cueto. He has eight innings uh, just mowing down the Rockies lineup. He has 100 pitches. What does Gabe Kapler do? After eight innings and 110 pitches, he puts him back in the game. That's your veteran guy. That's what you want out of baseball. I have the closer. They were up by two. I have the closer in fantasy. And I was rooting Johnny Cueto on because that's good for baseball. You have Johnny Cueto coming out with 110 pitches. He lets up a guy on third. He gets one out, guy on third. Gabe, Popper, Gabe Kapler comes to take him out. What does Johnny Cueto say? No, I'm not coming out of this game. I'm pitching. He gives him another at-bat. Eventually, he takes him out after 8.2 because he let up another hit, and now the game's, like, c- close. That's what you want out of baseball. You want your pitchers to pitch. You want managers not to follow this number blindly, like Blake Snell in the playoffs. Did you want Did you want the, man- uh, the Padres to take him out? I mean, the Rays to take him out? No, because that ruins the game. You have to not follow the numbers religiously. You have to say, this is my best player. If he's on, he's on, and I can't interfere with that. That's what makes the game exciting. Completely agree. So let's move on from the baseball rant um, to hockey just for our last couple of minutes of the show. Um, When you look at the playoff situation for the Islanders and Rangers, so first we'll talk about the Rangers. The Rangers have been on a tear as of late. But it might be a little bit too late. It might. There's 10 games left in the season, and the Rangers are four points behind Boston. But Boston has uh, has three games in hand over them, so that's potentially could be six points. So for the Rangers to need to to make the playoffs or even have a shot, they have to be able to really jump Boston, build the lead. Um, but Boston has won two straight against the Islanders, and. The Islanders look to be probably the best team in the NHL a couple of weeks ago. Only only two or three weeks ago, they looked to be the best team in the NHL. And 
they traded for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. So what's happened? What's happened in the past week? I'd have to say that this team has constant lineup changes. Constant lineup changes. And when you have Barry Trotz changing the lineup every night where he's putting in 40-year-old veterans and, and benching Keeper Bells and benching Oliver Wallstrom for phenomenal players and only 21 years old when he's not giving them a chance, kind of like Clint Frazier, where if they struggle one game, he's taking them out of the lineup to put in Leo Komarov, who's 40 years old, and you know what you're getting from him, and that's basically nothing. What, what are they doing right now? What are they doing right now? How could this work out in a playoff situation where there's 10, 10 games left in a season and the Islanders do not have lines figured out? They are changing their lines every single night. There's no set lines. The power play has been dreadful. It's gone from a top 10 in the NHL the first couple of months of the season since the past month. They've been bottom 10 in the NHL. That's not a Stanley Cup team. And we thought that this was going to be a Stanley Cup team. And additionally, just to build on that, the Islanders have been dreadful on the road. They've they've been backing the National Coliseum this year. They've been very excited for that. But they've only been winning at home. So they just fell out of this uh, of second place where they were in first place a couple of weeks ago, but they fell out of second place and now in third. And the way that the playoffs works, Joe, is that the playoffs are within the division so that uh, there will be a winner of the division at the end of the playoffs, and that uh, winner of the division will play the winner of the other division um, in, in the conference finals so that if the Islanders are third place in this division, they're never getting – uh, uh, home ice advantage throughout the whole playoffs. If they're not in second or first place, they're not getting home ice advantage. And that's huge for them because they can't win on the road. They haven't been able to win on the road. So there's a lot of problems for the Islanders going forward. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Unfortunately, we have no fun facts with Jack because Morris is at the Yankee game. So We'll talk to you guys next week and we'll do a double fun facts with Jack. Let's go.